This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Magid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically-minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Downstairs, I posted a cartoon koan from The New Yorker. It shows quintessential cartoon seeker after the truth, robed, barefoot, bearded figure with a staff who has come to a crossroads in his life. And he's facing a sign that says, to the left, meaning of life, and to the right, cheese and crackers. <laughs> it's a dilemma we all face. <coughs> so, so like all good koans, it, prevent, it presents us with a, um, an apparent dichotomy, life presented in a form of some irreconcilable pair of opposites that we're challenged to uh, come to terms with. It's a very good koan. But instead of a dog and a Buddha nature, the meaning of life, cheese and crackers. So, what do we choose? See, in any koan like this, any seeming dichotomy, we have to look at what is the apparent split that we're being presented with. How is life being divided artificially into two opposing halves? Uh, why are we tempted to divide life like this? And how can we put them back together so that there's no conflict? That's really the essence of koans and the essence of our practice. To become aware of how we've split our life into incompatible parts and how, what does it mean to put them back into a whole. Now, there are many kinds of splits that this choice seems to present us with. Um, see, just first the figure of the pilgrim, this kind of barefoot character of his staff off on a quest, right? Is this who we have to become in order to, to practice, in order to be serious seekers of the truth, of the meaning of life. In traditional terms, a monk was a home leaver, someone who chose the pursuit of spiritual truth over the attachments of family and worldly desire.
But it's interesting historically that um, this supposed choice of home leaving is is uh, something that uh, you could say was imposed or befell many people. Uh, if you look at the stories told of the life of Buddha and of Dogen and of many teachers and monks. There's stories of the, involve the very early death of a mother or of a child sent to become a monk at a very young age, often pre-teen age. And they grow up uh, taken away from their family and uh, put in essentially a monastic boarding school. So home leaving is actually often a uh, euphemism for home loss and an attempt to reconcile oneself to the loss of home and family and love. And the lifetime is then spent trying to come to terms with what have I lost? Was it really valuable? Is there something else I'm getting in compensation? And so often you sort of see a kind of devoted attachment to a teacher substituting for the familial attachment to a parent that has been given up or lost. We have to leave home in miniature every time we come to the Zendo to sit. We always have to make a choice to be here rather than there, to get out of bed, be on a cushion and sitting on a cushion instead of having our head on one, on a pillow. In that sense, we're faced with what looks like a dichotomy in our lives every time we said, am I going to stay home or am I going to go to the Zendo? And I think that, again, we can put a lot of energy into experiencing this as a kind of false conflict, an either-or. Uh, whereas lay practice is precisely saying both, not either-or. That we will find a way to have our home in the Zendo part of one life, not have them in opposition or conflict with one another. There's also a way in which traditionally conceived spirituality was considered in opposition to the flesh, materials, desires, right? The meaning of life is something Transcendent, spiritual, esoteric, cheese and crackers, simple bodily desires, greed, appetite. Two opposites, right? We have to choose. Another false split. How do we put them back together?
how do we actually see, uh, how do we actually go about uh, finding the meaning in life through trees and crackers. That might be a good way to put it. And I would suggest one expression of that the meal chants that we uh, recite, uh, we recited them, uh, and we recite them at every session. We just recited them last weekend at Garrison. And there I would suggest is a, we precisely focus on the meaning of our life as we take our meal. First, 72 labors brought us this food. We should know how it comes to us. Learn the reality of interconnectedness and cause and effect by understanding the food chain, the work of everyone who brings things to you. And so forth through the whole uh, meal chant. I won't go through it line by line right now. But we try to understand our true nature and the food's true nature. We use it to become aware of our attachment, our greed, to support our life, to further practice. See, I think that the cartoon makes this kind of funny dichotomy out of something we fall into all the time a kind of experiencing life in terms of false choices. But our practice really is about bringing those things back together, uh, the most mundane and the most spiritual, the ordinary and the absolute. All great chefs know that you don't separate the cheese and crackers from the meaning of life. So let us, uh, let us enjoy our meals together.